December 19th, 2017. Welcome back to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. I got Matt Norlander here with me, and this is the second of three podcasts we're going to do this week. So if you haven't subscribed yet, please go do that via iTunes. Rate it favorably, and by favorably, I mean five stars, nothing less. Continue to write great comments, please. You guys have been tremendous in that area, so uh, we appreciate it. Uh, Like I told you before, our bosses appreciate it, so we encourage you to keep doing it. And we also encourage Indiana to get things figured out because the Hoosiers are all over the place. They beat Notre Dame on Saturday. Matt Norlander was there. Archie Miller talked a lot about hitting the rock two days later. Last night, they backed that big win with a 20-point loss at home to Fort Wayne. Indiana forgot to hit the rocks, and now they're 6-6. They've got two top 75 Kimpom wins over Notre Dame and Iowa. They also have two sub-150 Kimpom losses to Indiana State and Fort Wayne, so that's a weird resume. Norlander, let's just start here with the Hoosiers. What do you make of the state of things with Indiana. The rock hit back. The rock hit back. Keith, do not want that rock hitting back at you. No, by no means whatsoever. And Archie did, I don't think I included this in my story, but when I was talking to him after the game, um, he's like, yeah, now we got to turn around. we got to play Fort Wayne in 48 hours. Uh, And that's going to be another quick turnaround. I think it was their fourth time this season where they had two games in basically like a a 48-hour span and they just haven't been handling that well overall. Uh, In fact, I don't think they have a two-game winning streak when they have been faced with that so far this season. Um, It was bizarre. Uh, Aberrational. Listen, Fort Wayne, by the way, it just had one of those games where it was playing with supreme confidence, and um, the way that it was able to hit some of these three-pointers, GP, it was was almost – Cinderella, Florida Gulf Coast, like the way that they were hitting some of these shots, man. It was incredible. And this was a team picked fourth uh, in its own league in the summit uh, behind the likes of South Dakota State and South Dakota. And uh, John Conchar is, is, is a really fun player. He had a big game, if I recall correctly, last season when the Mastodons defeated Indiana on their home floor. And now um, I should have fact-checked this before our podcast. But uh, I, I wonder if this is the first – winning streak in the history of Fort Wayne against Indiana. I, I got to think it probably is. Uh, I would assume so. Assume so. And that's just huge for that program, obviously. Great, great, great gains for that program. Good on them. Um, Indiana, I'm not like, like I'm not that concerned uh, because I never thought this was going to be a tournament team. I never thought it would be a top 70 team. That win, I, and I said on the previous podcast, you know, the Hoosiers had no business beating Notre Dame to begin with, given everything that they had on their roster, but they pulled it off, and credit to them and credit to Archie. And uh, and certainly the way Juwan Morgan played uh, was big, and you had um, Zach McRoberts, a walk-on, step in and play well. But then, like, last night, you know, McRoberts had a terrible play uh, in transition where he was trying to kind of create offense, and he got his, his pocket picked plenty clean there. And... Uh, it was just a little bit of a nightmare scenario. Maybe a little bit's even underselling it, GP. Uh, but you certainly have a, an interesting first year for Archie because I stand by what I said on Saturday's podcast. I think Archie Miller is going to be a long-term, very successful coach. And I'll even say in the next decade, Archie Miller is going to win a national title in Indiana. I think he's that good. The program is built to do it. I think he's going to be there for a long, long time. And Hoosiers fans will be able to celebrate one day down the road a national championship with Archie Miller. And when that happens, they're going to look back and say, you remember that first year? However, it ends up here. We lost the opener, Archie Miller's first ever game at home 
by 21 points to Indiana State. And then we lost to Fort Wayne by 20 and dropping two two games to in-state foes, mid-major foes like that. Things still got off to a rough start. It'll get turned around eventually, but this is what Indiana's going to be. They're going to be up and down. I still think they'll play spoiler. I bet you they, they steal a couple of games in Big Ten League play to, uh, to, to better teams and uh, kind of complicate that league race overall. But um, I don't think there's any reason to overreact, GP. My, my angle is Indiana was always going to be flawed, um, a hopeful NIT team, NIT team this season, and that's where they are right now. Uh, national championships are hard to get, very difficult, so I'm hesitant to predict those for basically anybody. But um, the larger point I agree with completely. I think Archie's going to be a terrific long-term coach um, at Indiana and accomplish big things there and, and keep them consistently good uh, once he you know reloads the roster, which he's in the process of doing. I think right now they've got a top 20 recruiting class signed uh, that features one uh, top 60 kid. So it's not like a Duke-Kentucky class, but it's a, it's a top 20 class in, in America. Um, Still, you shouldn't be losing games like this, and really two already this season that are just total head-scratchers. I mean, getting blown out by Indiana State and blown out by Fort Wayne. Like, it's one thing when you just lose, like like Notre Dame lost at home to Ball State. There was like a point or something like that. And, you know, it's a 40-minute basketball game. Silly stuff happens almost every day. But when I – so last night, I, I, I've, I've always got, like, multiple games on, and I frankly didn't have Indiana-Fort Wayne on because – Indiana's not that good, and if they're not that good, what's the point? You know, uh, but people started tweeting, yo, Fort Wayne's up, and you flip it on, and you go, okay, well, I know how this goes. Indiana will make a run and win, or at least make a run and, you know, make it competitive, make it close, make it interesting. A little bit like Xavier East Tennessee State over the weekend. East Tennessee State was up big. Uh, I actually thought they would hold on, but I did think Xavier would make a run at them and make it interesting. Um, my point is Indiana never got close. I mean, Fort Wayne just controlled it from start to finish. And you, you start to ask, okay, why, what, what, what happened in that Indiana state game that allowed you to get blown out? What happened in that Fort Wayne game that allowed you to get blown out? And the common thread is you know, the three point line, uh, Indiana state hit 17, three pointers on them in the season opener. You know how many Fort Wayne hit last night? It's, I think they're dude. I, th- I don't know if you have the box in front of you. Were they 17 for 28 or something insane like that? I don't know what the attempts were because I don't have the box score in front of me, but it was 17. So they've given up twice this season already 17 three-pointers in a 40-minute game. 17 for 30. That's just crazy on the road. Right, right. Um, so, listen, I don't care who you are. When when another team hits 17 three-pointers on you, you're in bad, bad trouble. I mean, that's how Duke loses to Boston College. Boston College goes out and hits 15 on them. And so I went and looked up Indiana's three-point uh, defensive field goal percentage, and it's awful. I mean, they're allowing opponents to shoot 41.3% against them from the three-point line. That ranks 332nd in the country. So the Indiana State loss is an extreme example of this flaw, and the Fort Wayne loss is an extreme example of this flaw, but they're just not good guarding um, at that line. And it's caught them. It's caught them twice. Like you said, I'm not concerned because – Whatever, It's a loss in a season that was going to feature more losses than Indiana fans are used to. I didn't think this team was an NCAA tournament team a month ago. I especially don't think it's an NCAA tournament team now. I think you've brought Archie Miller in to, to rebuild your program, and, and he's in the process of doing that. Uh, that said, I can acknowledge I didn't expect them to be 6-6 six and six through 12 games. I mean, when you're a high major team playing a lot of bye games, you're never supposed to be 6-6 six and six 
uh, through 12 games. And it has led to, and I thought this is interesting, Archie facing criticism, possibly first time in his coaching career. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's always a weird thing, you know, like, listen, he's, you know, he's fine. He'll handle it. It's not, it's not like he's jobs on the line, but um, you know, when you are suddenly criticized by your own fan base for the first time, perhaps, and I, I don't know every week of his, you know, however many years at Dayton, there, there might've been a two week stretch where people were questioning him, but on a national stage, people questioning Archie Miller, this is the first time it's ever happened. Um, and so uh, again, he'll handle it fine, but it is sort of a, an interesting dynamic. It is an interesting dynamic, and I think he'll be able to handle it. But uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, let's see how Indiana goes from here, GP. Um, what these next few weeks are like, and if they truly struggle. Most of the Indiana fan base is going to show patience, but um, if if this team winds up being statistically inferior to last season's team under Crean, and you know the final season where uh, the administration determined that a change had to be made, um, it'll just be, I think, a challenge for Archie. Uh, as he transitions to year number two in terms of what definitely did not work, what needs to change, uh, perhaps that he thought would not need to change, things that he might need to uh, adapt with with his staff. Uh, so it could be interesting times ahead. My projection here is that Indiana is just going to be a team that finishes ninth, 10th, 11th, maybe 12th uh, in the Big Ten, and uh, and next season should be, uh, should be well-equipped to actually be uh, – close to the bubble if not better than that i do think this team is going to be worse than tom's last team uh at indiana they're certainly on on track to be worse than tom's last team at indiana but ultimately uh the program will be fine Uh, i i i'm not gonna and nor would i advise anybody to change my opinion about archie miller based off of you know first five six weeks of a college basketball season um, he's got the goods there's a reason why lots of schools wanted to hire him at different times over the past few years uh, there's a reason why Indiana went out and 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 and, and committed a lot of money and resources to him and a, a reason why basically everybody who understands the sport of college basketball people who write about it uh, talk about it on TV talk about it on podcasts you know coaches other guys in the industry, um, there's a reason why everybody thought it was a home run hire. Uh, there was a little bit of a debate about whether Indiana should have pulled the trigger on Tom when they pulled the trigger on Tom. But like once you get past that and you just say, okay, that's done. Did Indiana hire a good replacement? It was, I think, unanimously yes. And so uh, off to a rocky start, ultimately, uh, I think Archie and and that program is going to be just fine. Let me tell you about SeatGeek, which is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. That's what I've learned over the years, thanks to SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell tickets in just two taps. And if you use the promo code COLLEGEBB, that's COLLEGEBB, you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. So make sure to do that next time you're buying tickets to anything. Uh, basketball game, sure. But not just a college basketball game, NBA game, uh, NFL game, bowl game, concert Whatever you need tickets to, you can probably find them at SeatGeek. And the app is so amazing that it's going to end up saving you time and money. And the way it's going to save you time is you don't have to search all these different ticket sites anymore. SeatGeek does that for you. Uh, So they're saving you time in that way and then also saving you money because they're going to ensure you're getting the best seat at the best value. So you don't have to uh, wonder if you're getting ripped off. Everything's fully guaranteed. That's at SeatGeek. So if you don't have the app on your phone, please go get that app, download it, and then when you make that first purchase for anything, use the promo code COLLEGEBB. That's COLLEGEBB at SeatGeek. That's SeatGeek, millions of tickets in one place.
Arizona's won six straight games since losing three straight in the battle for uh, three straight in the battle for Atlantis, and uh, they got a scare in Monday night's game, uh, not by the opponent. It was a blowout, but Alonzo Trier went down with what seemed to be a knee issue. Uh, it's now known that it's not a serious issue. There's no ligament damage or real damage. He's day to day. He should be fine. Uh, but still, assuming he gets back soon, and Raleigh Hawkins looks pretty good, really good. DeAndre Ayton is still a monster. Arizona's starting to look a little bit more like Arizona, huh? They are. I watched uh, a lot of this game after the Indiana one was was done. Um, let me just hit on Trier first. Yeah, that was a that was a knee to knee, a bang bang, and uh, you know he. Well, let, let me stop you there because that's the same thing I saw. I'll be honest. I, I'd had a drink, and so I was like, <laughs> but I but on Twitter. I mean, I took off radio all week. I was having a drink on a Monday night watching uh, watching basketball. And so on Twitter, everybody was, like, freaking out. Like, oh, my God. I was like, it looks like he just banged knees. Yeah. Like, he's, like, it hurts. I, like, I didn't see what you usually go, oh, my God, that could be a season ender. But I was like, you know what? Maybe I, maybe I drank too much. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not seeing the same thing everybody else is seeing. But, yeah, that's what we find out. It was just a knee to knee. Like, why was everybody freaking out the way they were? Uh, I think because of the way that Trier reacted and then – you know, the building went silent, and then he, you know, was ginger as he was walking off the floor, and then Arizona's final four hopes go out the window if it's a long-term injury and all that stuff. So I think that was kind of why in the moment. But, uh, yeah, it seems like Trier should be okay. Uh, obviously, they will need him. In my opinion, um, I think that Arizona at full strength is the most talented team in the country. That I think they just barely outpaced Duke, and we'll get to Duke here in a few minutes. Um, but you need Trier. Uh, you're not going to win a, a national title without Trier, even with DeAndre Ayton who last night Parrish, I mean, dude, he got the ball dude, on the block. He got the ball on the block in the one time in the first half. You were probably thinking of the same thing. And he was like double teamed dude. and just spun at, I mean, it just looks like he's playing like he's a different, it looks like when you take an awesome 15 year old and put him against like 10 year olds yes. and say, go play basketball. He just looks like he's he, the, the other people don't belong on the court with him. Yeah. Or even like a varsity player against a third grade CYO team at some point. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. He's that physically imposing. He, and he's just, he is that talented, uh, that skilled at this point. He was even like, last night, there were even a few opportunities where he could have just clearly just mowed over his defender. But he was working on his mid-range game, his spot up, and uh, a lot of this stuff. It was almost as if he was running through practice drills in the middle of a game because, frankly, he could afford to do that. I mean, they were up that much. Uh, the size mismatch was that great. Uh, why not actually try and get some of those reps in during actual game time? It was damn impressive to watch. And, yeah, now Arizona, they, they have certainly bounced back. I will not say that this team is, you know, now re fully returned to form from the preseason top three team that it was. I'm not going to go there just yet, um, but it would certainly be a really fascinating storyline, GP, if we end up getting to the middle of January and this team still only has three losses and uh, and we look back and just ask, you know, what the hell happened? What was going on there? Because I'm sure that there are one or two things that uh, – even though you know local media has no doubt done its job there down in Tucson, um, there just might be factors that we are not yet aware of that could have played into whether it was matchups on a game-to-game -game basis or just maybe Sean Miller was just completely stressed the hell out and it was like legitimately affecting his ability to coach the team. Who knows? Um, I'll be I'd be interested to see if Arizona gets really really good and then uh, as the season goes on, we can have some some real reflection and maybe some. Uh, some possible revealings of uh, of what might have happened there, but they look they look fantastic. Um, they've got a home game on Thursday against UConn. They should absolutely win that game, and uh, with Raleigh Alkins involved uh, in the lineup here, they obviously look they look good. And uh, allow me just to really briefly just 
acknowledge something we've talked about on the podcast here, and I'll just admit that I've got curiosities. I mean, there is no player right now in Arizona that has been sat uh, due to eligibility concerns. Um, we have talked about how we thought it could be Raleigh, uh, given where that he was from New York, and Book Richardson, who's no longer on the staff or in any capacity. I don't know if he's been formally fired yet or not. I don't know if he has, but uh, but we thought perhaps potentially that could have been the player, but it, it is not. The one thing I would say to that to people that might be thinking or wondering – well, why hasn't Arizona done the same thing that other programs have done? It could be using the FBI's uh, orders literally and for its own benefit here. And if the FBI has said uh, through its subpoena process, you're not to conduct a true formal investigation on your own behalf. Um, we are going to be doing this first, and our timeline is our timeline, and we'll let you know when we're done. And we're done. And when we are, then you can go ahead and start this. Arizona could could very easily be using that to justify why the entire lineup is, is eligible right now. Um, I don't think that that reason will wind up uh, holding holding court with the NCAA if, in fact, we find out that there are uh, any other players that have eligibility issues that wound up playing anyway. But uh, that is the only reasonable conclusion I can come to right now if, in fact, there is at least a player right now that, uh, um, if all true things were on the table, should not be able to play. I guess their argument would be we don't have specifics on uh like if somebody on our roster was accepting impermissible benefits we're not privy to that information um we have had no conversations with book richardson or anybody else and so we wouldn't even know where to start i I guess that that might be the argument because it is not specific in the federal documents but it is risky because if it ever comes out that there was somebody on this roster who was accepting impermissible benefits. Like if that ever comes out in a courtroom, in a document, in a whatever, in sworn testimony, um, that that player would probably be ruled retroactively ineligible. And, you know, ask Memphis how that goes with Derrick Rose or UMass with Marcus Camby. So it is it is risky um, on some level, but I, I imagine Arizona's argument is we don't have specifics and we're not just going to randomly hold out um, a player because we think he might be the player in question. So we'll see, but it is, um, I guess you use the word surprising. I'm a little surprised as well. When you look around the country and you see some of these other programs holding out players still, and Arizona is not holding out any, um, I just, I didn't expect that. Perhaps there is perfectly legitimate reasons for that. I just didn't anticipate it, um, going that way. Either way, um, Saturday, December 30th suddenly looks awesome, right? Yes. Fantastic. Arizona State, probably undefeated, ranked in the top five, theoretically could be number one in the country, I guess. I doubt it, but um, right. but certainly, you know, at least with the CBS Sports top 25 and one, they're only a Villanova loss from moving to, to number one. But Arizona State at Arizona to, uh, to open uh, Pac-12 play, uh, that's about as good as it gets. Very, very good. Very pumped for that, and we'll have the uh, we'll have that game fully fully covered. Hey, GP, why the hell do you have Duke ranked 10th? That's a nice question, and I get that question. Just came to my mind here, you know. Morning, a nice segue. Every morning, so I update the CBS Sports Top 25 and 1 every morning. And if you want to know why, um, the answer is pretty simple. It is, um, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of time. Although it does take, like on Sunday mornings, I'll, I'll legit spend two hours working on it. But like on a morning like today, where uh, you know three teams, four teams played. They all were blowouts. That's pretty easy. You're not even changing anything. And people click on it. It's just, uh, it is what it is. There's a there's an audience for it. I don't ever want to hear anybody say, 
rankings don't mean anything or I don't care about rankings because I, I see your tweets at me every morning. You do care. Like you, you fired up. You want to get the fan base fired up, rank their team a little lower than they think their team ought to be ranked. So earlier in the season, it was uh, Purdue fans. And then of course it was Kansas fans. And right now it is Duke fans. Every morning I have them like 10th. CBS Sports Top 25 and 1, and every morning they tell me how stupid I am. And so, like, I'm seriously asking you, um, what do you do with Duke? Because here's the thing. If the question is, do I really think there's nine teams better than Duke? The answer is no. I get that question every morning. You really think there's nine teams better than Duke? No, I don't think there are nine teams better than Duke. Certainly don't think there are nine teams more talented than Duke that have a better upside than Duke. There aren't nine teams that I would pick ahead of Duke if you ask me to list uh, – possible future national champions but they do have a loss to boston college on their resume and that is a sub 75 ken palm loss and they are the only team i have in the top 15 not just the top 10 top 15 that has a sub 75 loss uh on their resume now they do have a impressive win over michigan state sure uh, but outside of that, the other wins are like, what? The Florida win doesn't look nearly as good today as it looked at the time. The Texas win is fine, but that's just an OT win over a Texas team that's not ranked in the top 25, uh, that's top 40. It's 40th at Ken Palm right now. So you got one really good win, two other like okay wins, and, and then the big loss to Boston College. So like, and it's not like they're number one in Ken Palm, and I'm just ignoring that. They're sixth at Ken Palm. They're closer to 10 than they are one. What would you do with Duke? Um, all right, here's your top 10 right now, just so listeners can get an idea. Villanova, Arizona State, Michigan State, UNC, Kentucky, Miami, A&M, West Virginia, Virginia, sneaking in there at number nine and just zipping under the radar right now. And then Duke is number 10. Um... I don't think I have an issue with Duke at 10. I will say this. Uh, the Boston College loss isn't great, obviously. It is on the road. It is a sub-75 right. loss. If you want to adjust, in you know, without getting you know too scientific I, here, if you I want to you. adjust that loss and say, okay, but playing Boston College on the road would probably equate to being like, you know, a loss to a 45th-ranked team on a neutral or something like that. Um, what other losses and teams ranked above Duke would be comparable? You know, I, I don't think anybody's anybody, lost right? anybody. to a top 45 team. Not in my top 10. Yeah. So and again, with how we're ranking teams now, it right. is much, much more about resume than it is about preseason and end of season projections here. At a certain point where you are ranked should be reflective of what you've done on the whole. And by the way, not such a knee jerk of what you just did the previous week. Obviously, you addressed that with your poll attacks in regard to Tennessee losing at home to UNC. Um, I don't really have an. I don't have any issue, and I would like if I thought you should have Duke at even at like seven or eight, I'd say yes. But given what everyone else ahead of them has accomplished there, uh, I don't have a problem with Duke at ten. And by the way, you know. <laughs> It's Duke. Like they're going to have plenty of opportunities. They're in the they're in the midst of a weird stretch here, which is also you know quote unquote hurting them in your rankings. They played that Boston College game on the ninth. Then they've got Evansville Wednesday, and then their next game after that is their ACC opener against Florida State, which means they'll play one game in a 19 day span. And so while other teams 
aren't playing a ton of games. They're, they're but they're playing. You know, most of these teams are playing two, three, three games. They're getting the opportunity to accrue more wins and perhaps stay um, stay in the top fifteen or so of your rankings. Duke isn't getting that chance. They're just they're just kind of remaining idle there and uh, and watching uh, the seas crash around them. So they should beat Evansville handily. But that's not going to warrant them taking another jump up. In fact, Evansville is a uh, it's a no win proposition. You either stay steady or 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 you take on a brutal loss and you and you just I, I think losing at home to Evansville might validate dropping Duke out of your rankings actually, um, if that actually happened, which is not going to. Uh, but that's I'm, my that's my overall take. Yeah, like I, I I'm glad you said what you said because I, every morning I mean I obviously put a lot of thought into this stuff more than I probably should, but. Like I'm like, where would where like what is so crazy about having Duke 10th right now? It's like I don't know why you're tweeting me saying that that's insane. They did take a sub 75 loss. Like I perhaps it was fluky. If you played the game again, they'd win it by 20. But it did happen, and then so you have to consider that it's it's a part of their resume. The other thing I've learned from doing these rankings every day for years now is that when fans want to ask you a question, they only talk about their wins. They completely ignore their losses. It happened earlier in the week with Arkansas fans. They were like, how can you have us behind Oklahoma? We beat Oklahoma in a neutral court. I'm like, do you have a problem with me having you ahead of Houston? Because you lost by like a million points to Houston. So like, should I have Houston ahead of you? Like, they don't even talk about the Houston loss. I'm like, yo, if like the Houston loss happened, that's part of your resume as well. Fans, not all fans, but lots of fans just focus on the Ws. We beat this team, this team, and this team. Yeah, and you also lost to Boston College. That's part of... That's part of your resume. Where I get into a little bit of a tricky situation is with teams like Miami and Kentucky, because they beat nobody. I mean, Miami's got—I I shouldn't say that. That's 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 Miami's got a solid win. Miami beat Minnesota, and Kentucky beat a, a I think good Virginia Tech that's team this good. weekend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but they don't have like signature top twenty-five wins. Um, but uh, you know, so if you if the question is, so then why is Kentucky and Miami get to stay in the top ten? Because they you know they don't play road games and they haven't played anybody. Well, because they, they were ranked high in the preseason. And, you know, m- most people, myself included, we don't just randomly drop teams uh, when they don't lose. Kentucky lost Champions Classic single-digit game to a Kansas team that might not be great, but you're not going to punish them too much for that at the time. And they haven't lost since. And then Miami hasn't lost at all. So it is what it is. But, uh, listen, I, I firmly believe that Duke uh, will be much higher than 10 in the CBS Sports Top 25-1 and one at some point. Um, when other teams uh, start taking losses, which means when league play starts, like the loss that Duke took earlier this month at at Boston College, you know, they, every good team or most good teams are going to have one of those on their resume at some point, but none of them have them on their resume right now. Nobody else in the top 15 has a loss like that on its resume, so it is what it is. You mentioned Florida State just real quick. You seen their ACC schedule the way it opens? I actually have not. Is it brutal? <laughs> at Duke. Home against North Carolina, at Miami. Yeah, man, that's the three best teams <laughs> in the league. <laughs> I mean, that, that's rough. Well, they, I if mean, they that's... get, if they, if they come out of that two and one, then they're for real. Um, that's, but that's asking a lot. Two and one, that, one and two is probably a best case scenario for FSU there. Yeah, I think you'd almost take one and two uh, blindly. Yeah. Remember, you can subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via iTunes. So please go do that. It makes a difference. We appreciate it. Rate it favorably, and know that we will be back very soon. We're not going to promise you win because we break those promises all the time but if i were guessing i would guess probably on friday morning can you do friday morning norlander maybe i, I might even be able to do thursday for you but we'll just i guess we'll have to see what happens here i will be flying thursday but we could do it uh, when i land and 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 
uh, and get inside of a hotel room on Thursday That's afternoon, Thursday night. Doable. Yeah, because we gotta okay. get we gotta get the three episodes done uh, by Saturday night, and we I know we're gonna have to podcast at some point Saturday around your schedule, so we cannot podcast on Saturday. Well, then we have to do one Thursday, and we have to do one Friday. Hold up, there's is a whole bunch the, of games on Saturday. Is this not the second podcast of the week? This is the first podcast of the week. Oh God! Yep, the last podcast was Saturday night. The week starts anew on Sunday. We are now at Holy crap! We are now discovering that Parrish does not understand how the weekly calendar works here. This is devastating. I don't understand the calendar. No, I just remembered we podcasted Saturday night instead of Sunday. Yep. Oh, no, that was a mistake, Norlander. <laughs> it's just it's what it is, man. Yeah, so I'm flying to New York on Thursday, doing TV on Friday, and then flying. I booked Christmas for the family at Disney World. Like way before Why I knew I was gonna, do that? it's gonna be it's gonna be a nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> you would do that. My my middle one, my my three year old, he, his birthday is uh, December twenty seventh, so he turns four, and he just wants you know he's been to Disney World before, but he just doesn't remember it because he was like one, but he wants to go. And I said, you know what, maybe we'll just go for Christmas because we went away for Christmas a few years ago. We went to Telluride, and that was just beautiful. And like there was something really nice about just me, Kelly, the kids. Um, away for Christmas. Not that we hate our families, but it was just like really nice to wake up and not feel like you had to go here, go there, go there. And so I said, maybe we can go away again. Oliver wants to go to Disney World. Go to Disney World. So we, I booked these flights months ago. We're leaving um, home at like 8 a.m., right? Flight to Orlando. Then I find out a couple weeks ago, I've got to be in New York on Friday afternoon to do television. So the only... The only way, so the first option was I'll just meet my family, I'll go straight from New York to Orlando, meet my family there. And my wife looked at me like I was crazy. Like, you think I'm traveling with these three kids by myself? You're out of your mind. So I had to book a late flight on Friday night, gets me back to Memphis at 2 a.m. And then I got to turn around and leave for the airport at 6 a.m. to get on another flight. It's just terrible. Did you just hear my son crying, by the way? I thought it was you. I didn't, no, I thought that you was were, my I thought, son. So this is this I, is our life right now. <laughs> That's okay, just, we'll get in two more podcasts. We might have to do a Thursday Friday situation then. We'll make it happen for the listeners one way or the other. We'll make it happen for the listeners one way or another. So, uh, like I said, we can't promise you anything. I don't even know what day the week starts on. Nope. Uh, but we'll, we'll. But we got two more coming. That's a promise. And until uh, then, take care. <laughs>